Welcome, welcome, welcome to the MVG Podcast. Yep, the Night vo- night Vision Goggle Podcast. Night Vision Goggle? It works, it works. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that'll be... A, maybe I'll sketch some Night Vision Goggles in, in the shape of NVG or something. Or a microphone. No, that's just weird. Don't do that. Yeah, let's not do that. Who are you? I Oh, shoot. Um, yeah. Oh, we're doing a podcast in case you didn't know. Uh, my <laughs> name is Will. And my name is David. Yeah. He's really chipper, even though prior to recording, he didn't seem as chipper. And now it seems kind of fake. But. I, I was not. But I'll I'll tell you, like, I feel like we should do a lot of Washington State infomercials for this podcast. Talking about how good the traffic is here. And we, we could or or hear me out. We couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> People really want, might want to know about like the stop and go traffic here, though. Here's the thing. There's other places. It's way worse. Yeah. So <laughs> like our problems aren't that bad compared to other people who would have taken the same trek and it would have taken them four hours. That sounds terrible. Yeah. And some people do it all the time. So when I was visiting uh, Missouri with some some family in Missouri, mm-hmm. like uh, we were driving in the Kansas City around like like five o'clock, okay. and, uh, <laughs> and they were all annoyed that they're in rush hour traffic, and they were all going like seventy miles per hour. There's probably like at least thirty to fifty feet in front of the next vehicle, and they're like, "Oh, I want to be going 80. Yeah, oh, so garbage. Like, what? Yeah. It must be nice to be able to like get to any location from any direction. Mm-hmm. Whereas Seattle, you can get there from. Actually, the sad part about Seattle is realistically, you can only get there from north or south. Right. Because mm. there's other ways into the there city. There is, but then it's like a big detour. It's. Yeah. I mean, you have to like get off the highway, go all the way up the hill. Oh, never mind. No, I'm saying you can approach the city from other angles. I forgot but, about I-90. Yeah, but if you're if you're going up I-5, you end up just either being coming from the south or coming yeah. from the north to get into to Seattle. And if you take something else, then it takes forever to get to the side road to get back into Seattle. So, yeah. But either way. Also, in case you guys didn't know, we were recording in Washington State. That's why we talk about Seattle and I-5 a lot. Um, yeah, we're, um, uh, Pacific Northwest peoples. <laughs> and, uh, and if we, in case you haven't deduced, deduced, uh, this is I don't really know where I'm going right now. I don't, I'm I don't just know. trying to say that our podcast title is moving forward despite loss. Despite that loss was like of the, time and traffic. Yes. That's what I was trying to get to, but it was not working in the least bit. Okay, yeah, your Segway game's falling off. <laughs> well, I've been in a car for like an hour and 40 minutes trying to get over here, so. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, so we're probably going to be laughing during this podcast. We might tell a few jokes. Laughing? Yeah. Okay. We might Or chuckling, maybe, like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, okay. Uh, but realistically, we're we're doing a podcast on uh, on basically about grief. Okay. Not like the tragedy, actually. More tragedy. Yeah. Not most chipper subjects. Yeah, but if you really think about it, most of our storytelling podcasts or the storytelling episodes aren't typically that chipper. Uh, most of the time, it's dealing with kind of the things that drive story for right. stories forward. And most of the time, 
It's usually not the happiest things that drive stories forward. I mean, the beginning, maybe in the end, you get something happy. But usually the in-between is, I mean, sometimes... It it depends on the story. Right. Sometimes you can have like a fun romp that leads to happy, leads to more happy, leads to more happy. Like sometimes the, you know, the story will start off where like a plumber comes over the the fix the pipes. Mm Mm-hmm. Doesn't really fix the pipes. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a happy ending. Yes, I get where you're going with that one. Um, or. That's pretty good storytelling. The plumber goes into the pipes and suddenly is like on some crazy acid trip and is fighting what he calls Goombas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you like that movie? The Super Mario Brothers movie? Yeah. I can't remember enough of it. Um because i watched like, it when i was a kid like uh, people bag on it but i mean when i was a kid i thought it was awesome i don't remember much of it and i was more of i didn't like much uh live action stuff when i was little so i would have been like eh. it, oh. ma- it makes me like uh mr loigliamo hmm mr loigliamo i don't know how to say his name i don't know who uh, uh who john loigliamo Sure, we'll fix that, uh, or not fix that. We will find that after the break. Wait, you don't know that? You don't know this person? Legazamo, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, that's how you say it. Um, but I always say it wrong because it's, it's a long word, and yeah, you know, if it gets it too long, I'm like, I'm just gonna guess what it sounds yeah. like. As Americans, we do get tend to get lazy after a couple syllables. I get it. Oh, I get lazy after like one syllable. That's very typical American. <laughs> See why we're doing so great. Um, let's uh, let's get into this. What okay. do you have to? start off this episode well i well i well, was kind of getting into it i was just kind of about, talking about laughter and um just uh it's interesting because even i, I wanted to talk about nervous laughter first okay. of all uh because and and I, I got a little quote from a neuroscientist and i can't wait to try to say his name please do because it does it have more than one syllable uh-huh <laughs> Vilayanur s ramachandran I think that's pretty good. Sounds like you said that completely correctly. Um, (laughs) He says, uh, we have nervous laughter because we want to make ourselves think that what horrible thing we encountered isn't really as horrible as it appears. Something we want to believe. And so people do. We trick ourselves into thinking it isn't what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's another level of that. There's also uncontrollable laughter, which is actually like, it almost sounds like it's a... um, Kind of like um, what's what's the one where people? It's like swear? a nervous tick. Yeah, like a nervous tick. Yeah, uh, and it's crazy because people actually just don't have control I, over this. I had a coworker that it, it seemed like that was a, a nervous tick, or it might have been just a tick in general. Yeah. that they would they would let out a, a small little, little laugh or whatever. And it's usually like the things that are more extreme that will trigger it. So if you were at a funeral, mm-hmm. somebody farts at a funeral, like bro, somebody farts anywhere. And I'm on the floor. <laughs> I am, man, I wish I could grow up, but it doesn't happen. Okay. So I was at work and we have to call out work order numbers in order mm. to make sure nobody else pulls it out of the queue, right? Actually, we're at work right now. Uh, this is one of my jobs. Okay. Um, and somebody yelled out 69. And I, man, <laughs> and of course you're at work and like everybody's being professional and I'm the one who goes, noise. <laughs> and, and other people were like, dang it. He, like, he's the one who, like isn't afraid to be a kid still mm-hmm. 
and I don't think I'll ever grow out of that. I, I, I farts, know poop jokes. Like I know that. Uh, I know I've told you this before, but I don't know if I said it on the podcast. So my uh, my sister in law, uh, like this is a long time ago, but we were talking about maturity, and she was like, "Ah, oh, maturity is just knowing when to act your age." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I love that. I'm gonna I'm gonna mold my life around it." And then like ten years later, uh, I was talking to her about it, and she was like, "I said that. That's stupid." Because now she's acting her age. <laughs> well, I still I still believe in it, so I think it's brilliant. I do, I do too. Um, and on this podcast, my maturity level is probably a lot less because it doesn't really need to be that high. I mean, even with this subject, I feel like um, be, being too serious would probably bring down the podcast. Yeah. And it's well, better for us to figure out, like... Um, I mean, it's mostly... This is about fictional grief, you know, in a way too. So, but most of the times, fictional grief, especially when you think about somebody that wrote it, is definitely right. a reflection of the person, right? Or even experiences that they've uh, been um, adjacent to. But they 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 don't necessarily need to draw that from like someone dying or something. You know, they can no, they can it, draw it from like to, a. It ex- doesn't have to be as, as as serious as somebody dying or or you know some other tragedy. But, but you, it could be. They could actually bring grief out of not winning a spelling bee yes so yeah so i mean yeah, i was it's saving definitely that for another slide but okay. yeah but yeah it's definitely like a tool uh, so. to use um <laughs> so so i i guess i have so. a lot I, yeah so i have a lot here on laughter just because mm-hmm. i wanted to kind of start off a little light um yeah. but i think a lot of people know this but like just smiling and laughing releases serotonin in your brain and mm-hmm. raises your dopamine levels. Yep, smile through the pain. Yeah. And uh, I was reading that uh, laughter, like, the brain can't distinguish between fake laughter and real laughter. Nope. Yeah. So it actually, you can just, ha, 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 ha. Have you and heard about the study that says that you can actually force yourself to go to sleep? Because most of the time when you sleep, it's like a... I want to say, I can't remember the percentage, but it's like a, it's a really high percentage. Like 90% of the time, you don't actually fall asleep because you're sleepy, but you fall asleep because you think you should be sleeping because you think you should be sleeping. So you actually force it. So when you lay down, it may not necessarily be because you're sleepy. You lay down because you are like telling your body it is 10 o'clock, it is yeah. 11 o'clock, and I need to be asleep. And you force yourself to sleep. I have no problem telling my body to fall asleep. Right. My but, wife, on the other hand... Sure. Right, and that's where insomnia comes in mm-hmm. and things like that. But um yeah, when I was reading that I was like, huh, go figure. And like some and even when you become like cognizant of that fact, it's still like I'm like, okay, so what if I don't want to sleep and I'm gonna like force myself not to sleep? You lay down, you put your head on the pillow, your body goes, Would you like to sleep? And then you go I guess shoot, I'm here, right? And then <laughs> and you go, I, I'll just yeah, do it. I'll I guess sleep. it's the time to sleep and then you go to sleep. Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you like fall asleep before you even know, like sometimes I'll listen to a podcast and maybe this podcast. You listen to your own podcast. That's weird. I do listen to my own podcast. I know. You have to edit. I edit it and to ensure that my edits are good. Um, I listen to it via the platforms that it's on. I'm sure your edits are great. iTunes (laughs) and SoundCloud. Hey, um, but I'll like set a sleep timer and sometimes I'll listen to it like as I'm sleeping and I may not even be able to get through five minutes before I'm out. And then I'll listen to, I'll like resume it and realize that I might've fallen asleep in the first minute and didn't notice that it was still going. And 
I mean, sometimes sometimes I'll be scrolling through my Twitter feed from my NVG Dave uh, Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like fun. Yeah. So uh, apparently this ser- this uh, episode is about tragedy and grief. Yeah, let's talk about it. Man, it it sucks. I yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I actually have a quote that I'll start off with. Uh, in our hearts, we all know that death is a part of life. In fact, death gives meaning to our existence because it reminds us how precious life is. And my favorite part about this quote from Psychology Today, mm-hmm. it's by unknown author. Of course it is. And on that note, we should take a break. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we kind of just like cut that one off. I thought it was kind of weird at the same time. No, I really enjoy that we took a break right before we even started talking about our main subject. Yeah. (laughs) So the main subject, as we've said like three or four times now, is grief. Mm -hmm. Um, I, the way I've kind of like thought of this episode is kind of like tragedy and everything that surrounds it. And one of the things that I guess kind of stands out is that grief is a very big part of tragedy because it's usually, well, I guess if you think of grief as like the way that tragedy is dealt with, um, tragedy can be, or grief can be like a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I know there is like, uh, I have a list of those things. Right. There isn't, isn't there like a thing that says like there's different steps. Yeah. There's grief. the five stages there. Okay. So the five st- stages, uh, it's, it's uh, denial, mm-hmm. and then it's anger, mm-hmm. and then oh, it's something else, and then depression, and then acceptance. It's like a W, like the ups and downs of it. Right. And I can't remember the middle one. Ugh. But that being said, I've also um, I've also looked at things that says that even those steps are kind of like a guideline, but most of the time grief doesn't really follow. Yeah, they're archaic now. Kind of, they've they've yeah. actually um, they've taken that further, and and not just that, like. Like depression is a is a um, clinical ailment, you know. It's a it's mm-hmm. a mental illness, mm-hmm. and but that's it's a part of grief. But then grief isn't a mental illness. Well, because there's two different types of depression. There's actually depression that is associated with chemical imbalances, and then there's depression that's associated with with grief, with uh, with um, like not knowing how to deal with certain things. So maybe they need a different word to separate them. Cause it really is kind of a, I'm sure it'll be, it'll be phased out of the, yeah. the clinical vernacular in order to ensure that there is no confusion between the two. Because sense. commonly people will say, I was like, I was kind of depressed after I lost the whatever, blah, blah. blah. And then th- that's actually a, 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 a valid use of the term. And then there's other people that say I was depressed and I needed to take medication because that's actually another valid use yeah. of the term. And I think there are some people that would take offense to somebody that would say, you know, I'm, de- I, I'm depressed when I lose uh, a round of Overwatch or something mm. like that because, you know, they're well, legitimately going through something. Well, let's cut back medication. to that. I, I have that for later, but let's cut okay. into that. Like grief doesn't have to be you losing someone in your life. It really can. It can right. be, uh, you can have grief from a, a, uh, your significant other breaking up with you. You mm-hmm. can have it from... I lost my house or I lost, you know, money or I lost a horse race or something like that, which I did last week. My horse came in last place. You gamble? (laughs) Uh, Just kind of. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I like gambling. Really? Yes. Hmm. Anyway, moving on. 
Uh, actually, so <laughs> oh, I can talk. What, I can totally talk about loss and gambling because it's it's really weird. Like if you're if you have an addictive, if you're addicted to gambling, mm-hmm. like you don't. I don't think you go through a, through a grief process. Mm-hmm. But then, like, do you? So do you gamble? Not necessarily. No, but I, you don't I like it. Straight away from it. Yeah. You you like your money, right? No, I like certainty. Uh, okay, so. Like my wife, she like she'll go with twenty bucks, twenty bucks, and she lose her twenty bucks, and she hates it because she's like, I, I work hard for my money. So she's, so I feel like she experiences that level of grief in terms of of money mm-hmm. when she loses it. I don't have that when that, I gamble. That was a music thing too. She works hard for the money. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I nope. thought for sure like that was where you were going with it, that. And it I was, was like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so we we did talk about the five stages of grief, but they're like if you're taking it to storytelling, there's a lot of different well, just in real life there's a lot of different ways that people can deal with with um grief. You know, mm-hmm. like you can it can be you know, we mentioned anger, we we know we mentioned denial, but you can feel guilt, uh depression and sadness, despair, extreme fatigue you can experience crying fits. Uh, it can affect your dreams, give you nightmares. Mm-hmm. It can make you confused. Mm-hmm. Um, it can, you know, put you in shock and, and disbelief. There's, there's one of the things I'm noticing is that a lot of these aren't necessarily, or they are like the, the consequences of grief mm-hmm. more or less. Um, or even how grief is dealt with, not necessarily like the, um, what do you call it? Uh, like the, the con not the consequences it's weird it's not like a part of grief itself but it definitely happens after grief or right it's how you deal with it or whatever um yeah a lot of these look like things like how people would would react to um a situation that would cause them grief so what how does this even deal with video games and movies and everything so let's kind of let's kind of go back around to that well like i was saying earlier most stories tend to they have to give you stakes Mm -hmm. you have to think about um like where you there has to be a direction for the story and in order to make the viewer or the player know what that direction is you typically establish stakes and then you kind of give them a situation to work towards a lot of times though it's easier i guess in in its own little way to write a story in which the player loses something Mm -hmm. and then is trying to regain that or it's a story about how they deal with the thing that they lost um now this can be done in lots of ways um one of the games that i believe we're like mario and he loses his princess and Nobody Street, cares about Streets that. of Rage, he loses his girlfriend. I don't care about that one either. <laughs> I was going to talk about something a little bit more modern, but not quite modern. Okay. Um, so we were going to do, or we are going to do, a, um, kind of a, we're going to do a discussion about Nino Kuni 2. And okay. if you think about that one, it deals with loss in a different way mm-hmm. because it's not necessarily loss in the way that somebody did die, though. Um, it's not necessarily lost in the way that, oh, we're just dealing with how this person's reacting to a death mm-hmm. or whatever. If anything, it's loss of status. Right. Um, and then the story is about getting that back. The right. story is about finding your own strength. And kind of, it's very tropey. But it's if you very do tropey. It, Especially those lines are really tropey. But, but if you do it in the right way, 
you can actually portray tropes and there there's something to be said about japanese uh, uh, rpgs that use all of the tropes but somehow is original every single time um so in this case somebody died mm. they lost something they were accused of something they didn't do and you literally follow a whole story going back to redeem yourself right, right? which has which, happened which is in a like, huge which was an awesome story like like everyone loves a, a redemption story and mm-hmm. not just that like like the character lost everything everything so yeah people status uh wealth uh respect and like a whole bunch of things, and this is all as a child, mm-hmm. um, or teenager maybe, borderline I, eleven, twelve. I don't know. It's anime character. It's, For it, all I know, he's like twenty-five or a thousand. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> um, oh, oh, that was weird. Did you hear that? Yeah, it kind of glitched a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe it won't be in the actual recording. Probably. I don't know if I'm gonna edit this out. I don't care. Anyways, so. It's uh the way I the way I I connect it to video games and to TV shows and movies and just storytelling in general. Grief is actually, um, I would say that almost all stories tend to grief the character whose perspective that you are experiencing through. Yeah, typically they'll go through some level of grief throughout the story. They will lose something. Mm -hmm. Um, now when I looked up the definition of grief, it tends to deal with uh something that you had a bond or uh, or something that you had a bond with or affection for, mm. right? So it's a loss of that thing. It does not need to mean that something died, but it usually is typically, it's typically that. Um, and it doesn't even have to be someone. It does. It could be something. Yeah. That being said, just getting the character to lose something, whether it be losing a little bit of blood or losing a fight or losing a parent or losing a kingdom, like, all of those are good motivations right? or not so motivations, which it, sometimes some video games go through or some stories go through. They, they go through like a process of somebody that's not actually dealing with grief in the extra positive way and, you know, laugh the pain away kind of thing. They may actually be going through a lot of things. There's a game called um, uh, Senua Sacrifice, the Hellblade game. Yeah. Yeah. And that one is actually about like grief, but also through the it's through the lens of mental disorder. Mm-hmm. So again, you're going, you're not necessarily going through a redemption arc. You're actually going through just actually experiencing the grief and it's whole and following the path that it takes, not necessarily following a path to uh, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, but just following the path, mm-hmm. which is again, it's a, you're still dealing with grief, but it, like I said, it motivates your characters and it makes it easy for the the player to find stakes in in the in the things that are going on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that's a yeah. It's a it's a really powerful tool. Um, I know I know there are some games that don't don't use it. There are some movies that don't use it at all. And well, that's the thing. You don't like so when we talk about grief and all that. I mean, typically it springs to mind that it needs to be something extreme. But I mean, you know, like so. As I was talking about, you know, I was kind of joking around with Streets of Rage. You know, mm-hmm. his he he lose they kidnap his girlfriend, um, but that's a loss, and yeah. and you're still dealing with, dealing with what he does the the get it back. You know, it's it's even it's it's not like it's schlocky in the way it deals with it. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's still there. You know, it's still what they use. Right. Uh, so I want to go ahead and get into uh, the different types of grief. 
Uh, and the first one is uh, anticipatory grief. Okay. And uh, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, that's when you know it is coming and your mind is preparing. Uh, it happens prior to death, gives you a time to say, uh, to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And the first movie that came to mind was actually, uh, have you ever seen 50-50? Uh, the Jordan one with Gold Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yeah, yeah. I saw. I think I've seen part of it, but I knew what the premise of it was. Okay, so this whole movie is revolving around like how people are dealing with the possibility of death, mm-hmm. because death, death. I mean, it's called fifty-fifty. You know, you have no clue what will happen in the end. Right. I mean, if you really think about it, it I mean, it's a movie about cancer. Um, yeah. And cancer in real life is definitely something that is you you have a lot of people who like once you're diagnosed with it it's kind of like i there's there's no guarantee we can get rid of it there's no guarantee we can treat it there's no guarantee we can even really extend your life past whatever um, was and originally predicted that it would you know, that you'd survive for so that always you i would say it's almost like 100 percent of the time is used as a way to anticipate grief and mm. then you deal with people um you know uh crossing their t's dotting their i's making sure that uh you, you deal with a lot of stories with like bucket lists and whatnot right. um and like a movie actually called bucket list with morgan freeman yeah yeah um and I then like saw that one. like and then just like uh like the like the apology tour kind of movies mm-hmm. where um i know i'm about to like this is about to happen so i need to go and tell everybody that i'm sorry for everything i did to them right. or whatever or I don't know, I need to rekindle my relationship with my child because, you know, I abandoned them when I was younger or whatever. It's like, a, it's a whole thing. But it again, it's another, it's definitely like a really big, it's another tool, like I said, when using, with using grief. But in this case, you don't actually get to the point. Uh, in this case, you're doing like a prequel to grief, which is, right. yep. uh, but you still, the stakes are, you but, know what's going to happen. Yeah. But you still you know, quote unquote. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the case of this one, you don't really know. But yeah, uh, it's all it's all like you're you're having the steps of of grief prior to the death. And it's like it's your mind's it's preparing your mind, and that's that's kind of how these stories are going. And I and, the, and so the after fifty fifty, the next thing I thought about was uh, was war movies, mm-hmm. because anytime anytime that you're uh, you know you're in war, like you anticipate people are going to die around you and so i was thinking about characters reactions in like game of thrones and walking dead you know i remember like when we started first started walking watching walking dead like any death seemed so dramatic you know it's like right. oh my gosh that just happened and um well, and they, ma- they made sure that named characters if they were to die or name characters that had been around like more than one episode or something. Yeah, yeah. They made sure that if they were to die, they were to die in like a spectacular way. Mm-hmm. They kind of they they added a lot of weight to the loss associated with those characters, and it usually was not only that they made sure that it happened on screen. They made sure you knew that person was dead, right? Um, but also they made sure that well, they made if it they a were mystery, <laughs> but they were hiding underneath the garbage can. Yeah. Um. But when, like, when that person does die. Like they made sure also to follow the the grief process for the people surrounding mm-hmm. that character. Sure, and it was, and I think that's what made those deaths so heavy. But, but I would say honestly, though, I would say as the show went ar- along, like like unless it was someone that was they were really close to, just all these characters seeing death around them is just like it was just kind of commonplace, and then it kind of becomes 
commonplace for the viewer too because you yeah. expect it to happen mm-hmm. and unless it's a character that you're just so like if daryl like was the die yeah I but guess this, is, I guess it's this is game of thrones they're not going to kill off their favorites yeah yeah well i actually uh, did write game of thrones on here too because it yeah. kind of has the same thing like people are expected like people die in that show right you know? well, okay so one of the things the one of the one of the um things about using a world in which death occurs often is that you can you can flavor it kind of like walking dead does um and walking dead actually flavors in two ways one way is that the person the people are strong enough emotionally to deal with the death mm-hmm. around them and to right. deal with having to kill people right and then but it, they, but, it was, but they needed the character growth to get there yes then you have the other characters who see it as i don't care what's happening in the world death is not right we shouldn't be killing mm-hmm. and that that right there again you establish stakes based on how people deal with loss you have like say for instance like a rick who wouldn't mind killing because he knows that in order what he's doing is in order to protect his family to protect the people around him and then you have uh i don't know somebody like well there's morgan early on yeah you have somebody like morgan who's like i don't want to have to kill i shouldn't have to kill these are still people look they have faces yeah yeah and and if i'm killing them i feel like i'm killing a person and then of course everybody else is like no they're dead they're not coming back there's no way to reverse this blah 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 and that well then you had in the in one of the seasons that you actually had people that still viewed the walking dead as people right you know but yeah that's um again you can flavor it that way too Mm so and so Again, a powerful tool. I also I'll constantly it, say that. It's a very powerful tool to use. I also thought about uh, Saving Private Ryan. And uh, have you seen this movie? Oddly enough, I have not. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it shouldn't be much of a spoiler that people... Okay, so you know what it's about. Like people... Somebody's... Uh, they're going on a rescue mission to save mm-hmm. Private Ryan. Oh. Oh. I would have never guessed that from the title of the movie. Matt Damon. and uh you know it's kind of a crazy concept that um you're sending people out and they could die to save someone from dying Mm -hmm. and and along their way on the way like people die like more than one person dies to save how much is that person's life worth aka the trolley problem yeah it's man yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Again, good good story. That's good storytelling. Yeah. And you can't really get much better than that. And uh so yeah, okay. I agree. Uh moving on from that, um the another one the next uh version of grief would be uh traumatic grief. And that's obviously the uh experience when a, a loss is uh unexpected. Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, I, you have that on the list. I though. do have it on the list. That's the first one. I would think like almost immediately I you think of Curlin I think of Curlin dying and I yeah. think of Goku's hair going Actually, like flashing gold and and then they're just going <laughs> and then like so it's funny colors and stuff, it's yeah. funny because uh, well I said Curlin but like I don't really know that character I know him as Kudidin because I've only watched the, the Japanese of version you have. I grew up watching the English version oh well I mean I didn't see the English version for like I'm I'm pretty sure I never watched the English version actually. Yeah, it's it's good. Anyway, it's good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but well, the funny thing about that show is they keep on using like characters dying and grief from that and, and motivation. The, yeah, the motivation. But then they're just like, it's cool. We'll just use 
the Dragon Balls will bring back. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But it's they kind still of like get... a running gag. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> we're going to kill off everybody on Earth. But don't worry. <laughs> Everyone on Earth. Back. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll bring them back. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, you know, all these uh, Pixar movies keep on bringing in traumatic death uh, or yeah. grief. Yeah. Like Finding Nemo. Like right off the bat. Like, what are you doing? Hey, up. Mm-hmm. Why are they trying to make me cry in like the first two minutes of the movie? Because these movies are not only made for kids. They're also yeah. made for adults. But also, if you think about it, and I'm not trying to get all conspiracy theory mm-hmm. or anything, but if you really think about it, a lot of these movies kind of force kids to deal with emotions yeah. and force kids to deal. I mean, there's I a hoping, whole movie about it. I was, inside hoping, you're, I was hoping you were going there. Actually. Yeah. Um, they force kids to, uh, or even adults really, to deal with emotions mm-hmm. that maybe they, they consider to be... Um, insignificant or whatever right there are some people who really just like there's no point in crying blah blah blah, because you know you can't change whatever and then in these movies a lot of times they try to they try to portray things where you look at it from the outside and go i can see why that would be sad Mm -hmm. and then i guess the way our brains work it triggers something and that's when you get the tear that's when you get the lump in your throat because no matter what there's no way you don't get like choked up from the from like the fir- the opening sequence of up like there's no way <laughs> there's just no yeah. way or the the I can't remember the elephant's name in Inside Out um the the, the elephant oh is the make the imaginary friend or whatever yeah because that imaginary friend like embodied a lot to yeah. the, to the character but anyways the Lord, yeah. I don't remember um. But yeah, like there's no way you don't get like choked up at those scenes. I mean, shoot, they started off the uh, what, what was the newest one uh, that I watched that was in, oh I think it, maybe it was Toy Story no Toy maybe Story but Incredibles two the short at the beginning with the with the um with the the lady and her kid and it was like a, a little the little oh, a little food thing the little food thing oh yeah, my yeah. gosh man that hit me like that hit me like in the gut several times wasn't it was it so like good. just a dream or something. Yeah, but it was about like her. It's funny because it it reminds me of my mother, mm-hmm. but like it's like about her like having to let her child go into the right, world, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and then like her dream is really just about like wishing that he could stay around forever. Mm-hmm. But then after waking up from it, realizing that he never really left, he was just doing the thing that would have got like that she had to do when she left to right. get to where she was to have him. Yeah, so, that like, one was it, actually. Oh, really man. good. Oh, it's, it's so good. I would recommend it. I can't remember. I think it's called Bao or because I think that's what those are yeah, called. I the Bao I buns. Remember what mo- yeah, you're right. It was a, attached to Incredibles too. You're right. Um, it's, it's so good. I'm actually getting a little choked up t- talking about it because it's like really <laughs> good. Um, oh, because it, it, it resonates with something uh, already present in your life. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you said Find an Emo. I said Dragon Ball Z. And um, so another one uh, that I've always... And I haven't, I don't, I feel like I haven't seen it enough, but actually I always thought whenever Superman is uh, dealing with grief mm-hmm. was always the best stories for him because, you know, he's, he's omnipotent. He should be able to do all these things. But are you talking about like Krypton grief or we're talking about like Lois Lane grief? I'm talking about, yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, when he's, when he's on earth and mm-hmm. um, because his whole thing, you know, he's, he's trying to save everyone, but yes. it's the whole storyline around you can't save everyone. Yes. And him trying to deal with that, I don't know. I always, I always thought that br- brought out the best stories for Superman. 
Um, Considering that Superman stories, in my opinion, and again, I don't want to, I don't want any hate mail for this, but <laughs> Superman stories have never been the the most interesting because it's always usually been power plays. But yeah, I would say that the ones where he's dealing with actually being beaten mm-hmm. and things like that, and then losing other people and whatnot, that those are the the better Superman stories, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then there's another way that people can take that grief, and that would be characters like. Uh, John Wick or the Punisher, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I just I don't know I just think it's it is a little amusing using John Wick who like they killed, kills they killed his dog and he's like yeah but you know you just never really know what the weight of something in somebody's life you could probably break a pencil and because that person had that pencil I don't know since first grade or something like that <laughs> and they or they wrote like a seminal novel with that pencil or whatever it's the level of their attachment yeah. And again, remember what I said earlier about grief. It's not about necessarily a person. It could be a thing. And it's about a strong connection or a strong bond with that uh, with that thing or person. And uh, yeah, that I'll, would lead to somebody. Yeah, I'll touch on that one. That's actually a slide. Yeah, um, sweet. So, uh, <laughs> so, and then you have the Punisher who, you know, they lost his family mm-hmm. or he lost his family. And, um, you know, like, it, like, here, the thing about grief is that, first of all, like, for yourself, you can feel whatever way you need to feel, mm-hmm. and it's okay, because everybody handles grief totally different, you know? Right. And so, one, part of the, you know, like, when you watch The Punisher, you're like, this guy's, I mean, he's he's killing all these people, but mm-hmm. then you're still sympathetic towards him, because you know what happened to him. It's just like... Um, well, I mean, the way he deals with his grief is out of sense of duty. Mm-hmm. Um, he feels that it is his it is his, uh, his God-given purpose to kill the people that brought about the deaths of his family. Like, it's literally like, if you think about it, like, he's just like a, a bullet going through mm-hmm. everything that it... You know, well, that's a kind of a good analogy for him because he shoots yeah. everybody yeah <laughs> um but yeah he's just a bullet going through all of the all of the things that caused him pain and yeah somebody could think of it as oh you're just trying to drown out the hurt by killing other people but if you really think about it the punisher definitely like not only he not only does it go after the people that killed his family but he also goes out to other people killing other people's families because for him it's like now I'm kind of an, an angel of, uh, of, of vengeance and, and right. Of everything right. And yes, I'm doing the things, which is a common superhero trope. I'm doing the things that nobody else will do. Right. And I'm doing it outside of the, of the quote-unquote law because in order for, in order for me to redeem... <laughs> that, was like, that was like Eminem's catchphrase back in the day. He was saying the things that nobody, nobody else would say, would say or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but he was just saying stupid stuff. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I was a fan of Eminem back in the day. Um, but yeah, nowadays I realized that was a phase for sure. <laughs> um, which isn't to take away from the fact that he is still good at what he does. Yes. Um, so, that being said. So I also, I just thought of um, Ronan. And I don't mean like the Samurai Ronan. I mean Hawkeye uh, Ronan. Okay. And it was kind of the same thing. But realistically, like, he does, I mean, he has... He doesn't really know what happened to his family. Right. So. But, but out of, oh, excuse me, in his grief, he found it necessary to get rid of all of the evils in the world. And the way he went about that was by killing people that were blatantly evil, if you will. Yeah. He, he thought that, hey, there's like, 
why do you get to be here when my family when, who is good when who, the innocence of my kids was was, was taken killed. away yeah and uh so that is actually the third type of grief which is the ambiguous type of grief and before we talk about that we're gonna wait, wait, wait. oh one second you mentioned ronin right Kay. so there's a character named ronin in marvel universe right but there's also an actual thing Mm-hmm. A, a title for a person in feudal Japan. Right. They're a ronin. They're wandering samurai, which we typically associate with like mercenaries, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about it, a lot of times stories surrounding ronins in general um, typically deal with somebody who has lost a lot. Right. And because they have no master, they have no lord, because they, they, they will not be beholden to somebody else that will take things away from them again. And then, like, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of story hooks in that. Like, there's, uh, whether it be somebody finally finding somebody that they'd fight for, um, and whether it be um, uh, a significant other, or whether it be somebody that they truly believe in their ideals, and that's how you bring them from being a ronin to back into being a samurai, or into being, like, a loyal samurai or whatever. But it's, like, a really good, like, story hook. Well, that- uh, and it just happened that you said ronin, I was like, no, those are actually... Yeah, like not only that it did it work for uh for His Hawkeye. Character, yeah. yeah. But it also works in, so, in general. So the funny thing about Hawkeye's character and him being Ronin, which is a type of samurai, mm-hmm. you know, he starts using a sword and everything. Yeah. Is actually like even though it's popularized that sam- samurais are like all legit with the sword and everything. Well, mm-hmm. they have incredible swords. Okay. Like the the power the strength of their swords is unparalleled. Unparalleled. Uh but <laughs> what they're really most proficient in was accurate shooting of arrows from horseback, mm-hmm. and that's Hawkeye. Hey. That's kind of that's kind of neat. I just yeah. I just thought of that in my noggin, so it was just kind of interesting. Yeah, and that's kind of like a perfect way to lead off into this break. Perfect. Bring this back in, Mister Will Reams. Oh, okay. oh crap! I said your full name. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> my full name's on my Twitter. On Twitter handle. Yeah, I don't really care. Pow. That's how I was going to bring us back in. <laughs> so, uh, back to talking about... Depressing stuff. Yep, let's do it. Uh, right. So, the next one is... Uh, well, they don't really call it grief, but it's ambiguous loss. And okay. that's when that happens when uh, there's no real closure, there's no understanding. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and in this case, it it will delay the process of grieving. You you basically can't really end the grieving, and uh, realistically, the Endgame movie mm-hmm. uh, really really dives into that. You know, um, in terms of how they ended Infinity War. Yeah, because there's no way like it's it's almost like an unknown. You know, um, the heroes still think there's a, a way to reverse what happened you know right and so they're and so they really don't get that closure right and yeah. uh which is apparent with some of the characters uh but the show that actually came to mind the most for me was this show called the leftovers have, have you seen this show i have not seen the show have you heard of the show i have heard of the show do you know what it's about <sighs> no okay uh so the premise of the show is it's just normal everyday regular life and then um people just disappear and it turns out like two percent of the population disappears just two percent two percent okay arbitrary number okay 
<laughs> and uh, and it's definitely not a, a plot-driven story because it's definitely about how the characters deal with this loss. And uh, and one of the characters doesn't seem like a lot, but okay, sorry. Well, one of the main characters, um, she loses just like um, Ronan did. She loses her husband and her two kids. Who just happen to be part of the 2%? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's about and, and it's a story about how everyone on this planet, on our planet Earth, like deals with this loss, you know? And uh, there's some people that, like, there's these characters that form a cult and they're like it okay so i should back up a little bit so so the story the main part of the story takes place like years after this event right and uh there's a group of cultists that basically their main goal is to make it so that nobody forgets this tragedy which is another way, you know, you're already having ambiguous loss because you don't really know what happened to these people. They've just disappeared completely. And you're not really, people aren't really able to deal with that loss anyway. Mm-hmm. And this cult is trying to just, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to me, they're just being jerks, you know, like, why, why would you want to just, why would you want to keep reminding them of this? Like, they well, already the have no chance for closure. We, this is the same reason why we build memorials, the same reason why we we hold funerals the same reason why we have uh we have uh gravestones or headstones at graves at gravesites um it's because there's some people that truly believe that if you were to forget that somebody lived if you were to forget like the things that they brought to the world then you would be doing them a disservice and there's also other people who believe that if you were to forget them then they would come back to remind you so it'd be better to just always keep them in, in your brain and never forget like what people gave up, even if they gave it up involuntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I did the calculation. I was like, 2%. I was like, it doesn't seem like that lo- a lot. But oh, that's a, a lot. It's 150 <laughs> million um, of the world population in 2017, which is like 7 point something billion. Yeah. Either way, I was thinking 2% doesn't seem like a lot, but t- 2% a, of a, a billion is, is a lot. It's, yeah, yeah it's a nut- I mean... I mean, realistically, there w- there's no way that it wouldn't affect, like, everybody on the planet. And if it didn't, I mean, that would be, like, the rarity, you know? Right. Oh, I didn't. People disappeared. I, I don't know anyone that did, you know? Yeah. I mean, that would be, be pretty crazy. Um, but it's an interesting show because it also deals with, um, you know, like, it, it, it turns people's beliefs on their head, you know? Like, like if yeah. we're going to take it from a religious standpoint, you know, like, like, <laughs> on one end somebody that's doesn't believe in god at all is thinking like this what only is could this? have occurred because of god yeah and then somebody that does believe in god like god wouldn't this? allow this to happen yeah yes so <laughs> it's actually something that happens in grief too a lot of people um they usually portray people as Pleading. questioning god yeah Pleading. Like as in why you why would you do this or is it be, if you are as powerful as you are bring them then back can you bring them back yeah. yeah or again why would you why would you take them away to begin with there has to be a reason what it what do you have planned for me but yeah it's a again very powerful uh storytelling tool um and it resonates with people a lot of people on different different levels for sure so i when i watched that show i was trying to figure out i was trying to decide if you'd like that show because it's i've been told by another person 
that I should watch that show. So I, I might watch it. Um, it the, the, to me, at first it sounded like a, a like a rapture story, kind of mm-hmm. like a hundred and forty four thousand thing, right? Um, which, I mean, maybe it is somewhat that, but I don't know. Um, either way, um, I might give it a chance one of these days. What, is it on Netflix? It's a HBO show. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have HBO too, so <laughs> it's it's really good. Uh, but it's um, I don't know. I think you'll like it and be annoyed at the same time. But we'll see. We'll than, we'll save it for another more than likely another um, day. So another thing that I wanted to talk about um, before we leave, like traumatic grief. I mean, we kind of already left it with the no, that's fine. We'll ambiguous go back. grief. Um, is a series that I showed you a little bit of um, in the during the break. It's an anime called Made in Abyss, which has like the most frilly like animation. These little kids, they're adorable. Um, <laughs> it has this, it, they really are. Yeah. Like it has this nice premise. It's kind of like a, it starts off as a I'm gonna be the greatest of all time kind of kind of show, right? And I mean, I fast-forwarded quite a few episodes to get to a certain point and show you certain things. Ooh, we got the little glitch again. Um, I, think it was, I think it's just our headphones. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I fast-forwarded a couple episodes to show you, like, one of the really hardcore scenes. But the the they use grief in this way where it's traumatic because it's such a, uh, it's such a flip from the normal, like... Uh, what do you call it? Tone of the show. Mm-hmm. So it goes from being like, we're going to be the greatest. I'm going to go see my mom. Right. And, oh, you know, I know things are hard, blah, 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 but I've got this superpower thing with me. So I'll be fine. Like, and, it, and t- most of the time in anime, you assume that if somebody has a super powerful thing with them, that they're always going to succeed yeah. in everything. Uh, right? Yes. And, and no harm befalls them. Never. And if it does, then there's it's heaven cool. and then the Dragon Balls switch you back. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Um, but in this case, this this uh, the reason why the the grief is traumatic in this series, and it's not necessarily traumatic for the people in the series. It's actually traumatic for the viewer, which is another another way to go about things because you can by turning the viewer's expectations on the on its head, and um, you well, almost by, have by the, farting at his funeral. Yes, mm-hmm. you kind of force the viewer to question things, and right. not necessarily. Uh, not necessarily have the viewer just watch somebody else question things, but mm-hmm. they actually question things as to like, oh shoot, what have I gotten myself into? Or you know, well, I was not <laughs> expecting that, and yeah. now, and now I'm now I'm looking into more things, and now I'm starting now I'm sympathizing with characters that I didn't think I needed to sympathize with because they seemed perfectly fine going forward. You know, um, nothing else was going wrong with for them. If anything, their life seems ideal. And I like it, you know, I'm having fun here. And then all of a sudden you're not having fun and you're like, holy crap, do I need to be worried about you? You know, that kind <laughs> do of I thing. need to be worried about myself? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that series, um, again, I'll say it's called uh, Made in Abyss, M-A-D-E um, in Abyss. It's really, really good. I think you can see it on, I think it's on Amazon Prime hmm. and you might be able to find it on VRV or Verve, whatever they call it nowadays. Um, either way, that's a really good series, especially if you're looking for something that deals like it deals in a different, a, a different couple, a couple different levels of, of of grief in terms of, like I said, grief for the viewer, grief for the characters, and then um, like 
so tell a setting of grief. It's that's it's crazy. So I haven't watched it yet, but Will describe it to me. And the interesting part about it was so they're going down underground, right? Mm-hmm. And I love this whole premise where the, so they go down underground, and the farther they get down underground, the more difficult their travels are. Mm-hmm. But then if they try to go back up, they basically um, they're it seemed like their bodies just couldn't handle it for whatever reason. Yeah, it's, if you think about it, think about it this way. The further you get down, the heavier everything is above you. And if you tried to go up, you're literally fighting the weight of going back of up. going back up, yeah. Yes. Um, and then in the case of this story, the further you go down, the more effects it has on your body. So if you go down, so let's say one level, and you try to come back up, it just causes nausea or whatever. You go down two levels, you try to come back up, nausea, maybe headaches and stuff like that. And then slowly but surely, you go down a couple more levels, and it gets to be where you start bleeding pretty much out of every every orifice as you're trying to come back up. Um, and again, think about the <laughs> like again. That's why I said it's traumatic for the viewer too, because you're like I never want that happening cu- to me. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at this cutesy anime, and it's very fun. It's very like you see accomplishments, you discovery, and then overpowered yeah, and characters, like, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be. This is going to be cool. Like, they're going to get more power. Somebody's going to power up and level yeah. up or whatever. And you're like, oh, my gosh, there's, there's, then, there's real you, weight. Yeah, and then you realize that the that one of these characters is still just a human child. <laughs> and, yeah, it's well, legit. an anime human child, but... Again, it could be five, could be ten, could be a thousand. We'll never know. Actually, you do know. I think they're actually a certain age, <laughs> they tell you. Um, but, yeah. Uh, we, can get into, we can get into them the next thing they're probably i think they're well, like six or seven or something like that <laughs> well i mean uh this is, this is a little bit of a segue because this is a uh, dealing with loss mm-hmm. uh is the next part and honestly like in a way not just dealing with loss but dealing with grief and everything it's like well you said as you, as you went along with the show just as the characters are dealing with these extreme things you're dealing with like holy <laughs> crap i can't believe i'm watching this yeah um so when, whenever we meet people, um, we we form a, a, a bond with them, and uh, and this always reminds me of the Persona games. And of I, course, it reminds you of Persona. Uh, I love those games. You know um, what I wish I had right now? Persona game to play right now? No. Do you, what are those guns called that you shoot yourself in the head with? Evoker. Yeah, I wish I had one of those. With so a real you could have really. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Come on, man. It's Persona. Come on. Um, so, so I mean, it, can you explain what the evokers do before we get into like all of the explanation of Persona? All right. So in the Persona, well, it's just Persona 3. Actually, in the later games, they ditched the evokers. Right. So in Persona 3, the evokers was, it was, it looks just like a gun. They hold, the character holds it to their head and they pull the trigger and, um, it basically, um, detaches your, um, your persona in like kind of a, a a spiritual form that can use powers. Okay. So it, it so what I wanted to get at is that it was supposed to traumatize you because the force of emotion was supposed to bring about like the 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 creation of your persona. Mm-hmm. And it was because one of the girls figured that out because she had a traumatic situation that caused her to to birth, if you will, her persona. And so she made the guns for everybody else to do it too. Right. Anyways, it's trauma. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. So, so they're, traumatic, forc- traumatic they're forcibly traumatizing themselves to I mean, bring um, about like an embodiment of their soul or something like that. Well, then, uh, well, it, it kind of changes what like the games end up kind of changing what brings out their persona. Right. Right. Um. I th- well, but based I mean, on I, the theme, each mm-hmm. game has a different theme that they're dealing with. Right. Um. I just immediately. Well, I made the joke about the evoker, but then I just realized that oh no, the evokers are actually like they're like um they're an embodiment of a catalyst right for for trauma well the theme for persona 3 is actually is actually death gotcha so yep. and and how how people deal with death mm-hmm. so we actually could have just i could have just played that game again and just talked about that game and it would be it'd be all everything we need yes <laughs> unfortunately um, i will never play through those games because they're, they're too, they're too long them. they're too long for me they are very long. Um, but w- so the Persona games uh, with the side characters, so it's it's half RPG, half um, social simulator. But mm-hmm. the social simulator parts are about forming bonds with these other characters. And the more the larger your bond is with another character, the more it builds up your character's strength, because we are the people around us. Our strength comes from the people around us. Mm-hmm. Seems like a anime thing for sure it seems like a thing that weaklings would say (laughs) so when you max out your level for a persona character it you know it starts playing all this cool music and you know like that other character like has lights around them and it says that you've formed a bond that can never be broken congratulations thanks and uh (laughs) yes and that is kind of what happens with when we deal with loss is we've We've built, you know, because, I mean, sad to say, you know, like, if, um, some, you know, you read about it on the news, someone, someone's shot or someone's dies or whatever, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't have an effect on you because you haven't grown, you haven't formed a bond with them. But if someone, like, that you're really close to, your family, they die, you have this strong bond with them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, uh, it's more so that that permanent bond has, you, it's, it's almost like you've lost a part of yourself. That so, bond becomes a part of yourself. So usually, like, if you hear somebody died on the news, now we all, um, I would say, a normal human being or somebody that is psychologically sound, mm-hmm. they feel like empathy towards the situation. Sure. So maybe they don't have a bond because with them, but they have an innate bond to other human beings. Yeah. Which, again, causes certain people or and just causes like when most we watch people to like to to rally along with these people mm-hmm. or to actually grieve for these people um because there is because we can relate like an inherent bond yeah yeah we can relate to that loss yes just like when we watch a movie it's, right. it's the same thing you know we've i just kind of wanted to correct it because you said like you don't have a bond to those people but in in this weird way oh we, sorry yeah I, in this I must weird have said way that we wrong. do in this weird way we do have a we have a bond to pretty much every living being if you will it's mm-hmm. the reason why certain people won't eat meat because even though We've never established a personal bond with a cow. Right. Or maybe you have. But maybe, you know, <laughs> but like for me, I've never actually established a personal bond with a cow. But I can see how somebody would not eat meat because they saw how a cow was treated. You know what I mean? Yeah. In order to produce that hamburger. Right, or right, right. Um, but yeah, no, I the, bonds don't have to necessarily be direct or pers mm-hmm. or like personal and that you touch right. the other thing right. but it it there's a lot of innate bonds that cause people to grieve for other things and that's why there's some people who are considered empaths and that they grieve they would grieve for in place of 
pretty much everybody because mm-hmm. they can feel the emotions coming from somebody else that might have had a connection well, with that other uh, thing or person. I was thinking about that. You know, I, I wonder if the best um, people that can write this are the people that are most empathetic, you know. Well, I would say that would um, that would the, probably make it easier to write. Yeah. But, but then it, you have to dive into what empathy is and, and you know, like, like the psychology of empathy and how, right. how do we have the empathy? Does it, do we have a lot of empathy because we've gone through a lot of experiences so we know what it's like? People mm-hmm. that don't have empathy, maybe they haven't been as, through as many experiences and so or they can't some, relate. Or some would say that empathy is part of evolution and that we, some people will say that the people with more empathy, it's because evolution dictates that the it requires... Um, shoot it requires a subconscious connection to others around you in order to succeed so by evolution we have done we we have evolved to have more empathetic feelings because it would actually cause us to survive because if we don't feel what other people feel and we can't relate to what other people relate to then we tend to be alone and it Mm. always takes a village or whatever to actually survive Mm. people who are by themselves typically don't survive as long and like this whole this whole thing i've I've read some things about that yeah Yeah. and then our neurotransmitters go crazy for like like you want yeah like a hermit um maybe doesn't have the same um same things firing off that says i need to bond with people Mm. i myself I call myself a hermit because I'm d I don't typically go out as much. But um without thinking about it, you crave social interactions. I go out with my friends all the time. Um but it's again, it's a lot of subconscious. You don't really think about it much. But a lot of people that connection that we have with other people is innate. Mm-hmm. You grow up having connections to your parents. Or maybe you don't. But maybe you substitute that for something else. You have a connection to a dog. You have a connection to mm-hmm. a lizard or, or or a tarantula or something. You know a what microphone. I mean? Like, or, or a microphone. <laughs> and you like to hear yourself talk. <laughs> um, like, but like all those things, the, the human brain is all is like wired to have a connection to something. Mm-hmm. Because something need, you need something either well, to relate to or to have relate to you. The people that, the people that get through their grief quicker are the ones with more of a support system and the yes. people that have a slower time are the people that are they take it they deal with it alone mm-hmm. so there, i you mean there's divide a fight the load or you can handle it all by yourself and then mm-hmm. and that it takes a strong person there are some people that i know that don't have as big of a support system but they are just that strong you know that they they are able to deal with certain things right by themselves but i i almost i almost feel like it's just natural for you to want to tell somebody that something happened oh yeah to help it and even if you don't naturally think of you need that support to help you deal with it you know what the crazy crazy part of that uh, that is hmm. is so you have this need to tell someone else mm-hmm. but then in turn when you tell someone else that builds like trust and builds your bond with them mm-hmm. Crazy. and then sometimes they feel the need to also share with you in order to uh reciprocate reciprocate and to even out the bond yeah wait what were you talking about again Never mind. Just kidding. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I lost my train of thought. It is well. We were pretty gone. much uh, with the Persona games. We were talking about bonds um, and talking about how they can help to deal. Oh, with yeah. the process. I, I of mean, grieving. even if you, even after you lose someone, like they're they're forever a part of you. Mm-hmm. You know. 
Um, That's why you have people that wear the necklaces. They they oh yeah to cremate people and maybe have like a little bit of their ashes around a necklace, right. or maybe it's just something that somebody gave them, or they just took I don't know like a ring or a watch that person used to I, wear, and that's their way of like like paying homage to that person and never forgetting that that person existed. I actually think I talked about this on the podcast already, but mm-hmm. I'll talk about it again. So uh, my wife's stepdad passed away Mm -hmm. um and he was cremated Mm -hmm. and each one of the sisters got a necklace with some of his ashes yep and uh somebody broke into my and she left it on her rearview mirror and somebody broke into the car they stole that and uh i don't know like for some reason (laughs) katrina's pretty sure that they thought it was like drugs or something Mm -hmm. yeah oh man somebody huffed his uh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's nice. It's kind of sad and kind of like <laughs> kind of weird and That's twisted. what you get at the same yeah. time. I don't know. So, um but, but what if what if you yeah. know that vial had like fragments of his soul and when that person sniffed the soul, right? Or injected the soul or whatever they did with the soul, then that soul like a little tattoo to the person. What if that made that other person like a better person because of like the I feel like you watch too much anime at this point. I do watch. It sounds like the premise of an anime. I also feel like I'm just a good storyteller. But anyway, (laughs) okay. Well, uh, realistically, I could totally see that being an anime. I could too. Yeah. So um, moving on, Um, (laughs) and I was just kind of thinking about like how different types of people in different situations uh, react to loss because you know. So we were talking about just regular people. But then there's also how someone in the military during war times, as we were talking about before, how are they dealing with loss? And uh, how is a political figure dealing with loss? Because realistically, like, like you're the president and you send someone, you send a troop in, troops into a war zone. You know, you're, it's like calculated deaths, you know, and, right. and um, like how detached do you have to get? You know, like what mindset do you have to attain to be able to think of human lives as like a number right well you think about it this way some people have in their brain where they can detach themselves from the situation altogether they can detach themselves from the the lives and say um and then justify from there say for instance this person knew what they were getting into blah 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 blah. then there's other people who that's only part of it because yes they justify it and then afterwards they probably take on all of that loss right there is some there are some people that can completely negate it altogether and say whatever they knew what they were getting into and we'll have a memorial for them we have to keep moving forward that kind of thing um and even then like there's no way to say one of those people are better than the other because the other one okay so say for instance the person that takes on all of the grief from Mm. the loss of um a special unit that went to go do something right, right. but they knew it was a, a darn near impossible mission or whatever and they take on all the grief because that that they failed or whatever right you one might say that oh that would make them a, a really good leader because then they know the weight of the losses right um and so they try their hardest not to lose anything right, right? and then others would say that maybe that empathy starts to starts to weigh on them and actually affects their ability to make decisions. Right. And so again, it's funny, like you say that, I mean, we talk a lot about storytelling, but even in real life, yeah, it can, 
this is something that like people think about you have to think about and oh is this person a psychopath or is this person just the person that is so is it's just a realist like they they have to know they like, have to know what they're getting yeah, into they think, to, they think like oh you know they know the odds and yeah. you know they knew what they were getting into or like even the person that goes into the military and then goes into the field they always they should they're trained and they have that that mindset that there's a possibility when i go into the field i may not come back mm-hmm. but i go into the field knowing that what i'm doing is for the greater good so again this somebody justifying it to themselves right. but also maybe they maybe they still are afraid to die and that being afraid to die is what encourages them to live which again storytelling it works as well but also in real life it works to uh like to actually think about uh, the weight of the decisions made uh, by other people and like the weight of of other people's lives that may not be directly um, associated with you. You know what I'm saying? In terms of I'm I don't know that military family's family or I don't know that uh, that soldier's fa- um, life or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do know that they made a sacrifice and that's the weight that it holds for me because they did it for my sake that right. kind of thing i really wish i could I, it kind of wreck my brain trying to think of a movie or game or show or something that like really deals with a political aspect but then i realized i don't really watch too many political shows so there's I, a uh well um house of cards deals a lot with like the um the the weight of political decisions right and what to what extent you go to achieve the things that you want to achieve in life and also does that affect the way you uh does that affect your morality um right. it, like you know what what moral uh how much do you stray away from your moral compass compass in, in order to achieve the things that you want to achieve in life that's pretty much all of house of cards yeah um and then uh well, I guess, well we tried watching that show and I, I just couldn't get to it so that i mean that it definitely explains so i gotta i gotta throw this in here so uh We've said it before. We're we, we're trying to make our own game, but uh, Will's making his a side game, and he's got all these sticky notes for uh, <laughs> for his game, like stuff he needs to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and one of them, every time I see it, I always think it says polygamist. <laughs> oh, it's pugilist. It's pugilist. I know. I just <laughs> that's one of his character types. Is that, a polygamist. It's a polygamist. <laughs> he brings in. Uh, what are his skills and traits? Many, many of his his spouses come in to fight for him. <laughs> cool. Men and women. He made a decision. There you go. He just came up with a character class. I did not. Um, actually, <laughs> the next character class that I'm designing is a necromancer, so that'll be fun. Um, so I love it when I get off tangent because then I forget where I am. Um, let's just go and take a break. Sweet. We're back, and I don't know why. <laughs> I, um, I, sleep would be more ideal, or maybe even playing more video games. But you know, maybe you're just not looking at the sheet, so maybe that's why you don't know why we're back. What? What was that? What else? Was there something I was supposed to see? <laughs> well, there's more to the note. Oh, whatever. Yeah. So okay. it is what it is. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up our our podcast pretty soon. Uh, but we're going to end it with a couple things. Um, with a couple things. And one of those is uh, persistent complex bereavement disorder. Holy crap. What is that? That is actually when uh, people cannot finalize those five steps that isn't really five steps anymore. 
but uh, they can't they can't get to the um, acceptance stage. Mm-hmm. And um, so so realistically, um, people that lose a child actually they're always in have a little bit of this. Uh, they can't quite get through all the stages. It's always there. At least okay. this is what I read. This isn't something I've experienced myself. This is this is something I've read. Okay. Um, but then I was thinking about um, Thor. I, this, I'm doing really bad segues. You're a horrible at this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and another instance of it was Thor from Endgame is where he's had this loss and he is unable to deal with it in the least bit. I feel like, I mean, I know we did a, a spoiler cast on... Um, on Endgame, but I would, I would, I would prefer we try to use as little things from Endgame as possible to ensure that we don't mess that up because people okay. still may not have seen it. Sorry. So we might just cut this out from the break. No, that's fine. No, no, okay. actually. Uh, so what you what you were explaining was fine. I just was I was kind of trying to give you the signal like as l- as little oh, as possible. Yeah, without, yeah, yeah, yeah. without giving away the actual uh, plot points right. associated. with Okay, it. but so yeah. this is the point where we come back in. So. Or not. We could just keep on everything in. I don't know why you ever want to like keep on cutting things. You know that makes my job harder, right? Cut. Let's cut all this out. Nope. Not going to happen. Let's I'm going to leave like it in. half the podcast. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> all right. So a lot of stuff gets left in. That's well, re- re- well, realistically with Thor, like everything that's happened. Oh, man. That means that my the Game of Thrones episode when I was trying to tell my story, mm-hmm. you probably didn't edit it at all. Nope. That really sucks. I was yep. struggling like crazy. Yeah. I think it's one of our more viewed episodes, though, so. <laughs> or listen to that. That feels embarrassing. Uh, so anyway, so most of the stuff already happens to Thor before the movie even takes place. Yeah. So he's he's already dealt with a lot of, a great deal of loss in his personal life. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, since there's a part two, like there's Infinity War and then there's Endgame, mm-hmm. obviously our heroes fail in an Infinity War and... Thor is trying to deal with all of the loss that he already has. Plus, he's trying to deal with his failure. Right. And so I he's mean, actually Endgame is just a story about loss. Yeah, and and so he's actually dealing with persistent complex bereavement disorder, where he just cannot get over the hump. He cannot be healed from this. Right. So I mean, shoot, like even just like right off the bat, we could say it's a story about um, loss of connections. Right. Loss of people. It could be about loss of purpose. It could be about loss of confidence. Like that, the the end game is literally lost. The Avengers story, or mm-hmm. sorry, the Avengers story colon loss. Like yes. it, that's what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. What makes a good movie? High stakes. <laughs> High stakes for sure. Uh, so we'll just go go on one steak infused with marijuana. Wow, uh, marijuana. Oh, <laughs> it's not awkward at all. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the last part is um, recovering from bereavement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is something I was reading about is um, a part of helping people get through loss is actually helping them deepen their connection with the person that they did lose. Mm-hmm. which is actually becomes part of the healing process and helps them heal quicker. I mentioned before uh, having it more of a support base um, helps out with that. 
And it, it's kind of funny because we just kind of keep on talking about grief and not really relating this to the storytelling. But realistically, I mean, these are... We're telling stories in, in explaining what grief is. Oh, that's true. It's funny. It, if you really think about it, it's uh, like I was saying earlier, grief is usually used as some, sorry, a powerful plot hook um, because a lot of people can relate to it on a very like uh, primal level. Mm-hmm. It's not something that uh, that's typically consciously thought of. It's one. Of, it's a thing that you experience and then you come to terms with. I mean, the whole process hinges on the thing happening and in order for it to not completely take over your psyche, you actually have to accept that it happened. Right. You have to come to terms with the consequences of it happening. And I mean, think of just that, those couple statements alone that already makes a story right there. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, shoot. Modern examples. Uh, let's see. Umbrella Academy. No, I haven't there's seen a, it yet. Right. There's a big loss at the beginning. And literally the whole series is about how everybody dealt with that loss. Right. And, um, and then you have, um, shoot. Oh gosh. I just once, upon, one. once upon a time in Hollywood is literally about somebody losing purpose yeah. or like, confidence. And then it's how they deal with that. Uh, um, shoot. Uh, Toy Story 4. It's about somebody losing the, the spot that they felt like they had in a family and how they dealt with that. And how they came to terms with it. I haven't seen this movie yet. That doesn't give it away. I know, I know. But but you but you see what I'm saying? Like if you if you really if you really delve into it, not we don't have to give a whole bunch of examples and, no, and you're actually right. tell That's how it point. is. It's kind of something that as you talk about, people can if anything, this could be a tool for people to use. Um if anything, it's it's something where you getting the knowledge about what it is and what it uh, what it affects allows you to have like an extra uh, an extra set of magnification when it comes to the things around you. My question is: Is that an effect with an A or an effect with an E? How it affects things is an A, <laughs> and it's, <laughs> um, but it can be an effect. Right. I always <laughs> the, the grief effect. Somebody taught somebody taught me the difference. I even looked up the difference. I always forget. But then uh, somebody told me that instead of using effect, use impact. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. That's why I said the grief effect. But it can affect things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, don't don't try to trip me up on grammar. Oh, I, I'm <laughs> fine with everything, but that stupid word I always forget. It's a it's a trippable word. That's it's for just sure. like it's just like when I was a bartender. I had this regular, and there's Coors Light and there's Bud Light, mm-hmm. and he always got one or the other. But I kept on messing up because I didn't see him like every day. I saw him like every once in a while, and I'd always like I get it wrong, and the next time I like corrected myself, but then I doubted myself, so I overcorrected myself and poured him the wrong thing again. It, it was it was a thing. Mm. I kept on forgetting. Oh, I didn't see him enough. I saw him like every so often. Anyway, um, so getting back into this. So I was kind of talking about um, there's these stages. You know, we feel like we uh, the people or characters, they feel like they've lost a, a part of themselves, mm-hmm. which can be the beginning of a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they go through the process of reorganizing 
reorganizing themselves to deal with the loss. Because mm-hmm. there's a hole. And as I was talking about before, like, it can be the end of the story when they're connecting further with this character, you know? Right. I could see, like, a whole movie about just that experience. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, if you think about it, you could say a person's life is a full circle, right? Right. And then the people that are part of their lives, maybe they lose that person. It's a slice of that, it's a slice of that circle, right? And the acceptance part is finding out that that person never leaves. Their bond is never gone from your life. Right. And pretty much filling back in that slice and realizing that you can still be whole even if that person's not there. And it just depends on how how you want to remember them and that their memory can be just as powerful as them in life. Mm -hmm. Fun stuff. Ooh, that's that's, that's pretty cool too. Okay, what if, right? Right. What if you had like a story where people could die, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, but then if your memories of somebody or if your bond was strong enough with somebody, you can like recreate a person from your memories. Not nothing like sci-fi or anything like that, but kind of like fantasy. Mm-hmm. So like, well, you, you can do it. You some, go either way, really. Right. Um. But like an amalgamation of your memories could create. I don't know. Like. I guess this would kind of go towards maybe video games, um, but like could create something like an item that like embodied them. So mm-hmm. say for instance, Oh, like, um, I don't know if it was like in a fantasy setting, it could be like somebody, like somebody died or whatever. And because the, because their uh, impact on the world, their effect on the world was so strong. <laughs> Dude. Okay. They could actually create, they could, good you could create for, a weapon uh, from them. And then like, it would be called like the, like a sword that would be called the King Arthur because it embodied King Arthur's bravery or whatever. Mm. And that's, it's, a, it's wielded by his successor as a, as, not as a, Dude, that's a really good idea. I like yeah. that a lot. Pretty cool. Ooh, I just should, thought of it just now. Yeah. You should cut that. I'm not going to. Okay. I actually would prefer you do a people, lot of things with that. Yeah, that's awesome. I prefer to people to actually know that we, <laughs> that I can come up with stories considering huh. that the stories in the first season that I wrote weren't that great. I always love it when, like, one of us, well, I don't know, probably more so me, like, you'll say something, and then, like, I'm like, ooh, I like that, and then, like, <laughs> so, I think I drive Will a little bit crazy, because he'll talk about an idea, and then I'm like, ooh, oh, yeah, what if you do this, 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 he's like, but, I what, would, are, what are your what ifs for what's, this situation? What's wrong with my original idea? Oh, I don't have any right now. Oh, okay. I was just, I was just, uh, I just, yeah, this one's just good, so... But yeah, that's a that's a lot about loss. Um, funny thing is, even though we said we wanted to keep it lighter, we kind of did during the br- or like in between, Some like on the ends of the breaks. But it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, down subject, if you will. It makes it makes sense that you kind of you want to talk about it with down some kind dungeon. of reverence. Hmm. None. You said down. Then I said down dungeon. Yeah, that's a game tower that I'm working on. Um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The subject deserves as much reverence as somebody's lost. Oh, I suppose we didn't even mention that uh, that Made in Abyss was uh, inspiration for our tower game. Yes. Um, actually, it was, to be honest, um, it was inspiration for Down Dungeon initially, <laughs> and, um, which bled over, or no, sorry, it was inspiration for a game that I called The Tower, and then 
Oh, yeah. And then, okay, and then, this is one of those instances where you tell me an idea, and then I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what David, about this? David went somewhere else with it, but I had already <laughs> written, like, three, like, branching stories or whatever, or I had written, like, a three, a three-pronged story that would all kind of coalesce into one story, and then we ended up changing the stories um, because David had some ideas for that, but then I still liked the idea, and I needed a playground for all of my battle mechanics. So, so then I turned into another another idea from the tower idea in terms of like difficulty and the creative dungeons and whatnot. Anyways, and that led to another game that I'm currently working on called Down Dungeon. And now, you know, yeah, I do a lot of writing. Yeah, I don't have as much time. I really like it, though. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. One of these days I'll be able to actually announce it and tell it. When it's coming <laughs> one day, ten years later. later. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Actually, I'm actually gonna probably shoot for the end of the year at the at the latest. All right, so listening audience, uh, I just want to remind you all that my Twitter handle is mvgdave and Will's is is Fenrirbane still. And it is F-Y-N-R-I-R-B-A-N-E. David doesn't like the way it don't, sounds. Don't, uh, don't spell out still after Fenrobane? No. <laughs> it's not Fenrir part of it. Bain. Just to be, or, just to clarify. I'm pretty sure you can look it up on Twitter. It's just Will Reams. I mean, since you already know. With one L. With one L. Sorry. Will Reams. Anyways. Um, also, if you have any questions, if you have any experiences you'd like to share, or maybe something else, or whatever, I'm sure we'll eventually get around to start reading things fan on mail? The, the podcast. Fan mail? Just mail in general. Maybe somebody has some more insight into maybe something we, can we talked send, about. We can send you thank you, or we can say thank you comments about stuff they've given us. Sure, that works too. Um, but if you do have anything to send email wise, electronically, you can send it to nvgpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I feel like eventually we want to get a website up. So it'll be like whatever, whatever at uh, nvg.com or something. Something like whenever that. Whenever we figure that out. Um, but yeah. So I will mention that uh, um, my life is a little crazier than normal because we're selling our house and all that so i don't want to guarantee that next week we'll have something coming out because i have to go camping as well well uh, okay we'll uh, talk about that after <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but i thought well you said last time you promised them so i was you like did. all right well i will you throw sure this did. in here then so until no promises ne- until next time until next time. sweet <laughs>